Oh, it's a big, big challenge this hockey team faces this week. But it's one that comes with a really big and really obvious solution. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. It'll be the rematch of Penguins versus Avalanche tomorrow night at PPG Paints Arena. And it'll be the re-re-rematch with the Rangers, if I counted all of those previous meetings correctly, Thursday night at Madison Square Garden. And I can even throw in just as an oh-by-the-way that they'll be facing the Capitals on the weekend, and you get some sense of the scope here. They're about to see the best team in the league, and then after that, they're about to have their last chance to set things straight with the team they're almost certainly going to see in the first round of Stanley Cup playoffs. And yet, all of these different hills that they have to climb all follow the same path to success. Every last one of them. If you're a regular listener to this program, you're not exactly in suspense at what I'm about to say here. But the Penguins need to play all of these teams, all three of them, but in particular the Rangers, as if they're the Tampa Bay Lightning. That might sound nuts to anyone who looks at the standings, much less the inscriptions on the cup itself over the past couple of years. But the Penguins have played their best hockey, their most complete hockey, their most meaningful hockey against the Bolts. And the reason they've done that is they skate out onto the rink with a measure of humility. They know they have guys who can score. They know they have superstars. They know they have future Hall of Famers. They know that this year they've got themselves a goalie who can cover up for mistakes. But, but they look across the rink and they see the defending champs, the two-time defending champs. And there's a little bit of humility that comes with that. I don't care how many times you've won yourself. Even if you're Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang, three-time champions all, you're still going out there and thinking, that's a team that's done something the last couple of years that we, collectively, as the Penguins, couldn't do. And as a result, you play in a way that first and foremost emphasizes doing smart things such as fronting the puck, pursuing the puck, winning the puck, and then from there, managing the puck, not just flicking it away or throwing it away as if it's just another Wednesday night in Buffalo. We have seen this version of this hockey team before, not just in the meetings with Tampa. We've seen it against the Panthers. We've seen it against the Maple Leafs when they were on a roll. We've seen it just recently against the Wild when Minnesota had won seven in a row. 
To some extent, we did see it over the weekend in Denver. Yeah, the Penguins outshot the Avs 40-38, to which makes that look like that was some kind of run-and-gun thing. It wasn't, really. Colorado didn't have great chances. It's very easily seen through analytics, if not just with your plain old eyeballs, that the Penguins had the better of the scoring chances. Oh, and yeah, we've seen it against the Rangers as well. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. In their faces at every turn. Early on, when the Penguins were missing a bunch of guys, and it's a whole lot easier, and this is just human nature, for a coaching staff to get across certain initiatives, and you tell people, listen, if we don't play these guys a certain way, not only are we going to lose, we're going to get smoked. And by the way, if we get smoked, you're not going to play anymore. You might be in Wilkes-Barre or Cut or whatever. You'd better believe they're going to listen to you. And they're going to act as if that game in October or November or whenever is larger than life. That can work to a coaching staff's benefit. Unfortunately, it's not a long-term plan because not only will not win you games in the playoffs, you won't even get to the playoffs with those guys. You have to find a way to have that message penetrate everyone, everyone in your lineup all the way up to the stars. I swear to you, I am not here deliberately attempting to dumb down the hockey for anyone. I've never made a habit of that in covering this sport my entire life. I don't believe in it. My own philosophy when it comes to coverage is that if you're taking the time to listen, to watch, to read about a certain subject, in this case, the Pittsburgh Penguins, you're already pretty invested, and you already have a really good grasp of the ins and outs of the subject matter. So no, I'm not talking down or anything like that. What I am doing here is I am sharing with you the single strongest conviction I have upon entering any arena in which I'm covering this team. I can tell you, almost without fail, Within the first, oh, not five minutes, but I'd say 10 minutes, the first 10 minutes of the game, whether or not this team is going to beat that other team or at least significantly outplay that other team. And the way that I do that is simply following around the rink who's getting all Teddy Bluger on the process. Who's getting all Brock McGinn on the process? Who's getting in people's faces, getting the puck away from them, and then doing smart things with it? This applies across the board. Yes, even to Gino. When this team does this, and Gino's very much capable of fitting in with this system, it can arguably should beat any team in the NHL. 
I do not believe that statement to be hyperbolic. In fact, I believe that statement can be very easily and strongly supported by precedent. So there, how's that? Big week of hockey ahead. One that the team could really benefit from if they apply themselves with a measure of humility and a whole heck of a lot of protein. When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Kenny, who says, let's say Chris Letang leaves this summer. Based on what we've seen from Mike Matheson, is he the heir apparent to Letang as a top-level defenseman, even though I feel like he spent most of the year on the bottom pairing with Chad Ruedel and Mark Friedman? He clearly has the offensive skills. Kenny, Matheson is a strange subject matter to try to predict. And the reason for that is he's a strange subject matter to try to predict within the shift that he's playing at that moment. You will see things from him on the ice that convince you that his hockey IQ is pretty much the same as his actual IQ. This is a really smart individual. I have covered over the years, defensemen, plural, who have been visibly scatterbrained in their own end, who've not really had a great sense for where to go, who to cover, whether or not to block a shot. And they've been, I'm trying to think of a nice way to say this, not the brightest light in the hockey factories, for the most part, not universally. Matheson, all you have to do is listen to this guy talk. You know, watch him. This is a really, really, really intelligent individual. So what we've seen, the Penguins in particular, Todd Reardon do, going back to last offseason, into the most recent training camp, and then into the regular season, is work with Matheson on an anchor system within the defensive zone that hugely simplifies what he has to do there. And from there, the thinking goes, he can just let his natural athletic abilities and speed and all the other commodities that he has take over. In other words, if you watch him on a shift, just don't take your eyes off. And this is obviously better done in attending the game in person. You'll notice that as the puck goes into the Pittsburgh zone, if the other team has possession, you're not going to see number five straying very far. He's going to hang out in the middle of the rink in a more of a boxed set than he will go chasing people around. Now, if an opponent has their back to the inside of the rink, yes, he's going to pursue. That's natural. That's just uh, that's more of a penalty-killing reaction than anything else, but it's also a five-on-five defensive reaction. And he has been, to his credit, and mostly to his credit, much better 
in the defensive zone. It's not perfect. It's not something where he's going to make you forget some of the better players in the league at that position. But it's good enough. And then once he does get the puck, you're seeing far fewer mistakes than you'd seen in the past. In fact, he's so dynamic, particularly his skating, that you don't have to worry about his breakouts being intercepted since he is the breakout. He'll just start skating out of the zone. He doesn't pick his head up and look for a target. He picks his head up and takes off. It's a completely different element than what most defensemen in the NHL are capable of. I mean, in the physical sense. So can he be that guy? The answer to your question goes back to the opening of my answer, and that is, can he be that guy who solidifies himself or further solidifies himself in the defensive zone? You can't be a number one defenseman in the NHL. I really believe this without being at least solid in your own end. And yes, go ahead and throw Eric Carlson back in my face. Carlson put up so many points, created so much offense, uh, both in Ottawa and now in San Jose, that he could get away with his lapses on defense. Matheson's putting up some, you know, decent point totals. He's got the nine goals now and everything else here, but Carlson was a point-of-game player everywhere he's been. He's somebody that you would compare more to, uh, you know, a Paul Coffey uh, because of the extraordinary amount of offensive production that comes from him. Matheson's not that. So he's going to have to become more well-rounded. Uh, would he be the number one defenseman on this team if Latang were gone? <sighs> that's a tough one. I'm not sure I'd feel like tackling that one. <laughs> you know, that's, that's pretty rough. Uh, there's a lot of things you'd have to see get adjusted on that core if Latang were gone uh, on a lot of levels because in addition to everything else Latang takes up a lot of ice time is on all special teams and everything else so yeah if you don't mind I'm going to punt on that part of it but I appreciate the question I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins we'll do another one tomorrow <laughs>